Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this fine Tuesday evening. Of course, we are the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. We talk about dirt bikes. We talk about riding off-road. Every now and again, we have some beer. We have some good times, and we bench race through all the stuff that's been going on in the off-road world, at least as much as we can handle in about an hour. After that, we'll see how it goes. Unfortunately, we did have some guests that were supposed to be with us this evening, but when family emergencies come up, we understand that. Believe me, we understand that. And so we're going to just have me again. Hopefully, though, next week we've got a couple guys coming in, and it's going to be a great time. Of course, Seat Time is brought to you by the fine folks at Fly Racing, flyracing.com, to check out more from them as well. Check out their wares. And what's fun is Chris Bach, our first guest on, he's a fly racing guy, so he can tell you how bitching they, they feel and how cool they keep his testicles when he's standing up on his bike when he has his invented mesh on. It's amazing. At least I think it would be. I don't know. That's the way it is for me. Of course, Kenda Tire. So Kenda Tire USA, KendaTire.com to figure out about more of their hybrid tires for being off-road and awesome. And then, of course, Stillwell Performance at StillwellPerformance.com. All your awesome off-road suspension taken care of needs. And remember, keep her pin, as they like to say. So, of course, let's just jump right into it because that's the way we roll here when we have Chris Bach on. Because I just feel like he wants to get on. He wants to talk about what's going on in his life. So, Mr. Chris Bach, we have to say, how's your evening going, kind sir? Hey, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. And I saw Johnny's on the show tonight, too. So, uh, thanks for being supporters of JCR. Right. I know. It kind of like turned out that way. I was like... Because I, I saw how you did a win, and then I saw how Brabeck got a win, and I was like, okay, well, i got to reach out to you guys. So I reached out to y'all, and then Brabeck, I think, was flying to go do some rally training. And then I was like, well, shit. I was like, I still want to talk about this because, you know, Johnny being back desert racing with JCR Honda, that's pretty important, I think. Um, and so I was like, fuck it. We're going to have all the JCR guys on if we can make it happen. So that's when I called up Johnny, and I was just like, dude, you got to come on. He's like, okay, cool. So, yeah, man, we are... We're like the JCR Seat Time Honda Show tonight, and I'm okay with that because I like the color red. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's uh, we got a lot going on, so I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. Oh, you really do, and I'm interested to hear about some of the stuff that we probably don't even know about. At least, at least those of us that don't pay attention to the wind. I'm sure that there's things going on that's going to be that much more interesting um, that we don't even know about. So that's going to be fun. Now. One of the big things that I think is really awesome about how you did this past weekend is that, one, this was your first moose run, and two, you got a win. Now, just in the sense of someone who has not done the moose run before, which is myself and I'm sure a lot of people out there, kind of break down the event for us. I mean, two 50-mile laps, 100 miles, sounds like a freaking beating. So, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, man, it's it wasn't my first moose run. I've done, I've done moose, moose runs in the past, but all with failed attempts. Uh, it's not an easy event and I haven't done it for a couple of years. I just haven't done that series in a couple of years, but, uh, quite frankly, the race is three hours from my house. I'm normally off on the weekends that they hold that race. Uh, it's normally at the end of the season. And to be real honest with you, it, it was a real ass kicker when I was little and coming up through the ranks. And so I was a little bit intimidated to go back and put myself through it um, all the years up until now. So, you know, it's not, 
everyone kind of pumps it up and all this other stuff, but they're not really joking. It is tough and it's technical and it's nasty and it's a long day. You know, we, I think we finished, uh, we were almost at the four hour mark, you know, three and a half or three forty five or something for the leader. So it's, it's a long day and, um, it's fun, but it's, it's definitely tough. Well, when it, um, now from what I understand, again, unfortunately I haven't had a chance to do an OMA personally, but you know, what you kind of, the idea that I get is that they're a little bit more narrow, a little bit less of a beat in track, um, kind of, a, you know, as, as little amount of, I would say a lot of single track and, less ridden so obviously much more so than the GNCCs and to that nature is the moose run kind of follow that same pattern is it more so all single track or is it more so uh you know fresh cut trail how do they what, what do they kind of have for you in this 50 mile loop yeah moose run is exactly that it's um it's pretty much all fresh cut and you know if, if you follow the OMA series or know anything about it it's it's not a series like GNCC or even our local races here in Indiana that are getting these massive rider turnouts. And the cool thing about the LMAs and what Bill does over there is he really doesn't care. He makes courses that are tough, and he's 100% true to the core of what off-road racing used to be. And, uh, you know, that just being the, the knockdown, drag-out endurance races that you just got to be a man to finish the things. And the guys that follow his series they live through that stuff. You know, it's not made for a sea rider to be able to go out there and be a casual enthusiast and just have a great time and finish the race. Like he wants you to suffer and be miserable. And if you finish, you achieve something. Right. And, uh, and you know, and that's, that's been just kind of the, the attitude of the series as long as I've known it. And the moose runs, no exception. It's pretty much all fresh cut. Um, it is, it's one, one lap is 50 miles roughly. And, there is a lot of field sections. You know, you'll be going across these freshly picked corn and bean fields, 50 or wide open for minutes. It seems like, you know, to the point where like, man, I, is my bike going to make it across this field before it locks up <laughs> or what's going to happen? You just don't know. And, um, but it's crazy. You go from these 50 or wide open bean fields just as far as you can see. And then you duck into the tightest, nastiest, going over these massive logs and going under these trees and all these bikes, they're not river bottoms, but they're like these little wet runoff ditches that just have no bottom because it's all black dirt. And the first lap through, it's fine because it's fresh. And then you come through the second lap and it's just a war zone and uh, it gets pretty technical. So you try to conserve your energy on the first lap. And then the second lap, it's uh it's a race. Oh my gosh. So, I noticed uh, kind of in the write-ups that you had and what we saw a little bit of from the OMA, which one of the, that's one of the things. I, I may ask you about this. You said you, you know the gentleman that does run the series and that he likes to, to run a tight ship, especially when it comes to having a, a traditional kind of endurance-style off-road event. Um, the one thing that I find tough sometimes is to catch up on the event. Um, you know, there's kind of a couple Facebook posts and they put out some things like that, but it seems like press release and what the website does do you know if that's something that if it's just something they don't know much about something they don't try to promote a lot of when it comes to things like post-race um yeah well i think um you know i think it just kind of it kind of varies i know i, I my, myself personally i haven't followed the series for a couple of years but uh when i followed it and i know i think at some events this year, I think, uh, Mark Korea goes to some and does, um, John Gasso does cycle news articles. 
And uh, there is a little bit of a media following, but, you know, old man Gussie is, he, he's a character. You you almost have to, if you don't know him and you haven't met him and you haven't done an OMA, it's not going to make sense. But once you do one, it just, it just all comes together. And it's, and I mean it, he really, he's not in it for the publicity and he's not in it to be a millionaire or anything like that. He's in it to make tough off-road races and uh, he succeeded and one of my favorite quotes from that guy is a long time ago, I remember it was my dad or somebody was asking him you know, something about the race and uh, complaining or something. And Bill's response was, you know what? You don't like my series? I don't care. You only need three people to have a race, two people to race and one person to score it. <laughs> and uh, and that, always, that always stuck with me. So he stuck true to his word and, uh, and the guy puts on, he puts on great events. You know, they're not for the faint of heart, and I recommend anybody that thinks they're man or woman enough to go try it to uh, take a swing. Well, it sounds awesome, and I'm definitely one for a challenge, and so if I can ever make the moose run happen, or maybe I should find a, a, a smaller, a less a less long OMA to try out first, but I'd be down to do it. That sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, So I noticed in your kind of race report where you put up a little bit about a couple pictures you shared and things of what you said that, you, you know, you kind of were really following behind Nick Ferringer for about the first 75 miles. And it was where the last maybe 25 miles where you guys really had a good race going on and then where you wound up making kind of a pass there towards the end. And then from what you were just telling us, how that first 50 miles is really like pretty awesome. And then it starts to get really gnarly once you kind of go back onto that second loop. Um, took us through like the first half of your race where, you know, you said you were kind of, you were out there racing, but there was the last 25 where you were really starting to have a good race with Farringer. Uh, well, actually the, none, I don't think any of us were racing the first lap. We didn't have intentions of it. Uh, <laughs> I think Farringer was the only one that was, that was planning on racing, uh, the first lap anyways, you know, we, it's a long race and there's so many things that can happen because the race covers. I want to say the race is on like 20 different pieces of land, you know, that different, different property owners. So right. there's no telling where you're getting to. You're crossing over fences and cattle yards and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, we're all racing with, uh, you know, like side cutters and stuff in our camelbacks or duct tape for the bike or whatever. So you get caught in barbed wire, you know, you're not stuck out there and all that. And normally, um, kind of the, uh, the strategy of the race and the pro class is normally everybody just takes their time and trail rides the first lap. And then when you come around the second lap is, you know, everyone for themselves full out race. Kind of game on. So yeah. And, um, you know, Jimmy Jarrett had the whole shot. He was up front early. I think Jimmy's won the race like five times or something like that. And I was completely comfortable with him up there. It was Jimmy, myself, Farringer, uh, Adam, and Baylor was up there with us a little bit and we were all just kind of hanging out and Nick was behind me and he was pressuring me a little bit and I was okay as long as he was behind me and I knew I was comfortable with Jimmy leading the race he was controlling the pace he was keeping us all together it was great and I, I knew in my head that I had to keep Nick behind me because if Nick got to the front Nick's going to race and He's the, he's the enduro guy. You know, right. his specialty is tight, gnarly woods. He excels in that stuff. And he's on a, he's on a good machine that's set up for it. And so if he got out front, he would be able to charge those fresh single track woods and uh, it would be tough to reel him in. So, you know, he ended up getting around me and got up behind Jimmy 
And I could tell when I was behind him, Jimmy was, was probably thinking the same thing I was thinking. You know, he was doing his best to hold him off. And in the field, we were fine. And then in the woods, it was hard to make a pass. So it was pretty good. And then uh, I didn't see the pass that Nick put on Jimmy. But once he got up front, man, it was, he was gone pretty quick. Yeah. You know, he sprinted out and, and he, he put a good little gap on us, probably a minute. And, uh, and the rest of us were kind of just hanging out and we lost touch a little bit and, uh, Jimmy and myself and then Baylor caught, caught up to us and he was riding really, really well. And, you know, it's a long race and, and something that has kind of gone away in the pro class is, is the etiquette or the respect that used to be there in the era before me, um, the era of Jarrett, Canny, uh, those guys, you know, if someone's coming up faster behind you, you used to get out of the way for them and let them go and try to latch on, uh, regardless of the race, even at a GNCC. And that's kind of gone by the wayside now, you know, where it seems like the guys that maybe belong in XC1, maybe don't, they get a good start and they'll do anything, scratch and claw, you know, to stay in their position and they end up kind of holding the race up. Well, Baylor caught us and Jimmy and myself, both. We, we saw he was on a mission. We pulled over and let him go. And, uh, and we knew that if we could latch onto the back of him at the pace he was running, he'd pull us right up the Faringer. So he did. Um, we followed, we followed Stu right on up and got onto the back of him, onto the back of Nick to where we could see him. And, uh, once I got a glimpse of him, Stu had a, Stu had bike issues or a crash or something. I'm not sure what happened to him, but he dropped off. And then I saw Nick, so I started pushing to catch him, and Jimmy Jimmy fell off pace a little bit. So it was just left of us, and I could see Nick in the fields, but I couldn't hear him in the woods. I couldn't see him in the woods, and we're all alone. It's a 50-mile lap. You're not passing lappers and stuff. You know, you're completely by yourself. And I yeah. just catch these faint glimpses of him. And I just kept digging, man, kept digging, kept digging. And on the last lap, you know, 25 miles to go probably, he had an issue, a gas issue. Uh, he missed his pit and he had to stop it the next time he saw people and bum some gas from, uh, from someone else's pit crew, some two stroke. So when he did that, he lost a little bit of time and that was enough that could get me close enough to where I could keep eyes on him. And then I was able to reel him in, uh, when we got into some of the faster stuff. And then once I reeled him in, he pinned it and, in the tight woods, man, it, it was so hard for me to, to run that pace to where I could just keep my loss to a minimum. You know, I, I wasn't going to go faster than him in the tight woods, but if I had, if I had any chance, I just needed to, you know, keep damage control basically and, yeah. uh, and try not to crash and blow it. So I had to ride like a, a little bit out of my comfort zone in the tight stuff. And then there's one massive, they call it a creek, but they're absolutely full of it. It is a full-blown river that we have to cross. <laughs> like 15 miles, not even 15 miles, 10 miles from the end of the, from the checkered flag. And, and I didn't want to cross it first. So I pulled up on Nick and I didn't want to pass him. I didn't want to be the guinea pig to dive off in that thing. You know, I wanted him to go first and I could follow his line, you know, see where it was deep or whatever. And uh, once we got through there clean, then it was on. Damn and on, we were side by side, man, wheel to wheel. The whole way back, it's just wide open across fields, basically all the way back to the to the finish. And I tried to make a couple runs on him in the fields, and I could get up to him coming out of the corner. You know, my 450 would would pull hard coming out of the turns, and I'd get right up on him. But when we were both wide open, his 300 and my 450 were actually pretty comparable in speed. 
So I couldn't get going fast enough that I could just make a, you know, blow by him in a straightaway. So I tried a couple of corner runs and, uh, and I just couldn't make anything stick. And we got to the motocross track and I could see the finish line and it came out of the track and it was a 180 and then he had a roller into another 180 and big bull turn on the outside, like super cross bull turn. And Nick had no choice. If he was going to go to the outside and hit the super cross big bull turn, I was going in, I was going to, I was going to park him. You know, I was going to go in, inside move, block pass, make sure I had the pass, and go on for the win. So he did what anybody would do. He went to the inside. He went to the inside. He had to drift out. I went to the outside slingshot, and I was able to make the pass and set myself up for the inside in the next turn and, and made a clean pass. And uh, and that was pretty much it. You know, again, we were wheel-to-wheel right at the checkers, and and it was pretty cool to uh, to leave it all on the track like that. You know, race for so long, for so hard, we're both completely beat and come down to, you know, three and a half hours of racing and you finish wheel to wheels. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be pretty epic. You know, we see a lot sometimes it's in the GNCCs where guys are sitting there like 30, 45 seconds, you know, kind of waiting for second place or maybe first and seconds there. And it's still kind of like third and fourth is, is kind of coming a little bit like that. But yeah, I mean that's something that I wish that we could see a lot more of. And at the same time, I wish we could, you know, wind up catching more footage of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a shame that we don't get a chance to, you know, that's the kind of stuff you got to be there for, you know, those last four turns, you got to be there at the finish. Cause a lot of times like in those, the OMAs and some of the even smaller races, you know, they're not capturing as much of the, much of the race for, uh, for posterity's sake and for YouTubers like ourselves. Um, with you were talking about how you were riding a little bit, you had to ride a little bit over your comfort zone or past your comfort zone in the woods. Um, it, having you know, being maybe just close enough to kind of see Ferringer riding, is there something you can tell that e- either he a does different or b is it literally just you know in your in your for you lack of experience and lack of practice in that extremely gnarly tight single track? Um, I wouldn't say that my, that I'm incapable of going at speed, uh, in those conditions. It's just a comfort thing. Right. You know, you, you put Nick in a GNCC setting where we're going third gear wide open down quad trail and he's going to be out of his comfort zone. That doesn't mean he can't do it. Right. He just would much rather be, you know, second gear twisting in and out of trees. Yep. And, uh, so it's basically, it's just a give and take, you know, my, I grew up riding, local Indiana races, which were tight and twisty single track. And, uh, just having done the GNCCs for so many years now, my style has become more motocrossy and, and more, I'm just more comfortable and at home now in that faster setting. So you throw me back in that super tight, twisty stuff. I can do it. Doesn't mean I want to be doing it, but I can make it happen. But it's when you're in a scenario like that, where it's a last, last, last type deal, you know, me getting out of my comfort zone, it's it's easy for me to ride that pace when I don't have to push. But when I have to push, you know, you make one mistake against a guy like Nick, who's an enduro specialist. You make one mistake in this corner and one mistake in this corner, you've lost two seconds that you might not get back. Yep, that makes so sense. So it's a battle between wanting to push yourself to push the speed limit, but not make a mistake. And yeah. you just have to walk this, this line. And uh, it's pretty mentally taxing to tell yourself to go really fast, but not so fast that you make a mistake. You can push to 110%, but if you push to 110%, you're going to miss that corner. You're going to plant a foot. You're going to hit that cross log. 
you know, so you have to ride right there that 99, 99.5% and be perfect. And uh, it'll wear on you if you're not used to it, for sure. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, awesome. Well, uh, congrats then on your first moose run, moose run win and uh, obviously getting it uh, as, as things it seemed to have been kind of really getting a lot better for you and JCR and the way that the team has really come together this year. You're, obviously, your results have been a lot more consistent um, but you've got bigger things going on too, where it looks like you're kind of starting to think maybe beyond a little bit, uh, racing for the rest of your life and kind of starting a, 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 you know, something that you can start to grow now that you can work with later on in life. So tell us a little bit more about the, the be the difference project, where it all kind of started, where people can obviously learn more and maybe how they can be involved. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm sure if anybody follows me on social media, um, or, any of the off-road community, they might have seen it somewhere today. Um, but yeah, the Be the Difference project, it's something that I've been stirring on uh, with myself and my girlfriend, Danielle, for a little while now. You know, I've been, I've been pondering over the last year or so, how can I give back uh, in a big way? And, you know, looking at problems that are facing off-road racing and the riders that are coming up and, and, just different scenarios, you know, just pondering and brainstorming and trying to figure out a way that, that I can do something that's unique, um, that's not being done currently. And, you know, I've done some riding schools and, and I really enjoy those, but what I learned most about doing the riding schools is the enjoyment or the sense of fulfillment that I get is not necessarily from watching this kid hit this turn perfectly or off this log perfectly or drop his lap times 10 seconds. That stuff is great. But where I get my most fulfillment is when they come back to me three, four races later and they send me or they, you know, they say, Hey, I tried this and I've been working on this and man, I had the best race in my life today where they take something that they worked on, they applied them in their life and it makes a difference for them and they're happy. And, uh, and that's what meant a lot to me. So, I was trying to figure it out and I was thinking, you know, what can I do that's on a big scale? Because realistically I can do riding schools all day long, but eventually we're going to run out of market and we're going to run out of people, right? Off-road community is only so big and I want it to be bigger than that. Right. So what we decided to come up with was the Be Difference Project and looking at my life and my career, um, I've had a lot of influential people come into my life, racing and outside of racing that have swayed how I make decisions and the way I look at business and deals and how I approach racing. And, and if people know me outside of just the track, um, you know, it's pretty evident that I think quite a bit differently than most other riders and, uh, something I wanted to, to give back. And, you know, me, I, I feel like I can give back a lot more than just telling somebody how to ride. And a lot of times, it's the kind word or it's a little bit of guidance or it's answering questions. And I was sitting around a campfire with some Indiana friends at a race and it was like eight or nine o'clock at night on a Saturday night before GNTC. And we were just, just talking and, you know, they really thanked me for the information that I shared with them stuff. That is just what I see as normal, but they really got something out of it and they really appreciate that. And that's kind of what started this whole thought in my head of how can I do this? So we decided to start this project and our goal for 2016 is to reach a minimum of 3000 kids and not necessarily kids by kids. I mean, you know, anyone up to like the age of 
18, 21, right. you know, kids can be anywhere five years old all the way on up. And you don't necessarily have to be off-road racers or dirt bike racers or anything. We're going to do all kinds of community events. We're going to do school visits, um, going to get involved any way we can to try to get kids motivated to be different and do something different, make a difference. And maybe if you're not doing something different in your own life, maybe you can be the difference in somebody else's life. You know, maybe you can offer a kind word or a hand or whatever. And, um, you know, those things were, those things were big in my life. So I want them to be big in other people's lives. And I've challenged a few people to get on board with the program. And, uh, you know, guys like Stu Baylor stepped up today to, uh, to say he's going to take part in it and try to give back and, what we're going to do like i said we're going to try to reach three uh, at least three thousand kids and my goal is to put back uh donate back at least five thousand dollars for 2016 and with that five thousand dollars we're gonna find the most you know, the the kids that are standing out the most that are doing something different that are being unique that are chasing their goals in a unique way that are thinking outside the box to be different than the other kids or the other people in their age group that are going after the same goals. Maybe you don't want to race their bike. Maybe you want to play football and you want to be a quarterback. Well, just trying really hard going out for your team, that's not going to be acceptable in order, you know, we'll encourage you. We want you to be different. We want you to be better than the next kid. And it's not everybody gets a trophy type of a deal. We want people to really strive to be different and think outside the box and challenge themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, the kids that, that do that, we're going to reward them by sending them all expenses paid to some sports camps. Whatever their sport is, whether it's baseball, football, wrestling, um, if you're not into sports and you're just, you know, you have big aspirations to go to a really expensive college and you're going out of your way to meet those guidelines and do something different to get there, we're going to take some money and we're going to start a college trust. So you'll be able to put that money towards your college uh, when that time comes, if you do race a motorcycle and maybe, maybe it's not with me because I'm not in the area, but we'll, we'll spend the money and we'll send you to go see somebody, Stu Baylor's riding school, Jason Rain, Shane Watt. I don't care who it is. It doesn't have to be me, but we'll send you somewhere where you can get that little boost and we're going to pay for it. So you don't have to, nice. and we just want to take the kids and we want to boost them up and maybe give them that little bit of push, that little bit of guidance from the outside that maybe they're not going to get, or maybe they can't afford. And, um, I'm really excited about it. You know, I think it's going to be really fun. I encourage everybody to get involved. And, uh, and I really just want to lead by example. You know, I want some other guys to get involved. I know Stu said he was going to do something. So, uh, anybody that's interested, you know, if you're interested yourself or, or you have a child that might be interested, you know, check us out on Facebook, be the difference project, uh, Instagram at be the difference project. And, get a hold of me and um you know we'll uh we're gonna hopefully make this thing grow and if everyone gets behind it and start pushing it i think we can make a difference heck yeah man well that's awesome and i'm really glad to see you kind of taking what you've been able to receive in life learning from it growing with it and then not just that but then being able to use that experience to then hopefully create those same experiences for other younger people and again i like the fact that you're not focusing just on racers um, that it can be something much bigger than that, or, or not just dirt bike racers, I guess I should say, um, and realizing that, you know, people, people, kids 
all around the world. I and mean, obviously we're kind of speaking nationally at this point, but still like could use sometimes that little extra boost, that little bit of help um, in all kinds of different arenas. So this could be something really big, man. So congratulations. I'm it, taking that first step is hard. Um, so you're going to, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's gotta be uh, a little daunting. It's, it's definitely a big task, but, um, like you said, the hardest part of anything is taking that first step and we've taken it now and, uh, and we're all in. So I think it'd be really cool, you know, and it's, it's so much bigger than just racing a motorcycle. You know, a lot of us tend to get caught up in the fact that, you know, we're racers or you have kids coming up right now that, that their whole life is racing. And that's great, you know, because my life revolves around racing and, and racing a motorcycle and off-road has provided me a very nice living for the last four or five years. And I'm very proud of my accomplishments and it's great, but I have a life outside of racing too. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people lose sight of and just talking with different people in the off-road community and, and outside the community. And I'm sure you guys hear it too, and probably have your complaints about the generation of this, all this entitlement. And, uh, yeah. and all that stuff. Right. So like everyone's complaining about it and, and it's no different in off road. You know, we see some of the same deals where everybody wants something. Everybody wants to just take, take, take from the industry, but nobody's willing to put in the extra work. So we're trying to motivate kids and people coming up to put in the extra work because it will be rewarded and to be different. Don't just be part of the herd. That's just trying to take and not be thankful for, you know, what you do get. And, um, and try to just kind of stop that where we can anyways. And, um, if we can change some lives and give some boost and, you know, maybe some parents are out there and they have little Johnny who's just on the brink, you know, or, and they just, they can't afford this or they, they just don't know what to do. They don't know what the next step is. They're at a roadblock. You know, maybe we have just that little piece of information that'll push them over the edge and have that breakthrough that they can then take that and, go on to their next step. You know, we're not going to do anything for anybody, but what I, what we want to do is just be the helping hand to kind of, you know, push them along and we're not going to give you the answers, but we're going to help you ask yourself the right questions to give yourself the answers. Heck yeah. Well, right on. Well, everybody remember Chris Bach is all over the Facebook. Of course, he's got his Be The Difference project is on Facebook as well. So go ahead and look for that. Uh, I would assume that you guys are going to have a website probably in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything just launched today, and, and obviously social media is, is the king of all at the moment. Right. So yeah. uh, that that was first and foremost. So website will be coming. Uh, but for now, like I said, just Facebook and Instagram at the moment. Uh, be the Difference Project on both. Uh, you can email me, be the Difference Project at yahoo.com. And uh, if anybody has any questions or wants to get involved or wants to know how they can get involved or whatever, just uh, please contact us, share your stories on, on Facebook, and uh, we're going to get this ball rolling. And, and I think once we get some people sharing their stories and and we're going to, you know, you send it in, I'm going to post it. We're going to get some other people to post it. And once we get some momentum going, I think this thing's going to be really cool and, and I'm excited for the future. I agree, man. Well, cool. Well, good luck at Ironman this weekend. Go close out the GNCC series with another win. And then come back on seat time and be like, thank you for having me on. You guys always motivate me to win. And we'll be like, we know. You're welcome. Yeah, then I'll, uh, I'll just have to say you and my good luck charm or something, right? Yeah, I like it. I like it. We can make <laughs> this work. I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good partnership. Well, congratulations again, dude, on the Moose Run, on the new project. We really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, good luck this weekend. And then I guess have a fun off season. If, if, there's, I mean, I if there's such it. a and, uh, thing, right? <laughs> sorry, Matt. 
I appreciate it. And like I said, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for supporting Off Road JCR Honda and, and all of our sponsors. And uh, you know, everybody that's coming out to Ironman this weekend. It's the biggest race of the year, so I hope everyone has fun and is safe. And uh, we'll see everybody out. All right, man. Take it easy. We'll chat soon. All right, see you, Brian. Peace. Woo! Awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it was not even until this year that we've actually had Chris Bach on the show. So excited that we've been able to have him on a couple times. Um, and I've been really pleased with the conversations that we've had. Um, again, first couple times, you don't really know what to expect when you have a rider on, um, how they're going to react, how they're going to respond, uh, what they're going to say. And a lot of the time, you know, they're mannerisms of your sort. But I really enjoy having Chris Bach on. He really always has fun stuff to say. Uh, he's got a neat little sense of humor, which is good. And I think there's a lot of takeaways in a lot of the good stuff that he has to say. So that's what we try to do here, give you guys information. So as we try to get John Bo- Johnny Campbell lined up, I'll go ahead and talk to you guys a little bit, again, about some of the stuff that has been going on in the off-road world that I have noticed. Um, first one is the is Husqvarna released their new Enduro 701, at least new for 2016. Now here's the thing. How new is it to us? Uh, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I don't even have that exact answer. I, I did look around for so a couple of different people that might have talked about the subject and talked about things or tried to like cipher through some of the information. And good friends, Alex Martins at Conflict Motorsports had some good stuff to say. Um, he realized that so they've gotten rid of the split design WP forks um, and they are going to be using 4CS. For, for those of you out there who go, oh man, 4CS... You know, there's a lot of great companies like Stillwell Performance that can make your 4CS feel amazing. So don't be freaked out by that. It's not a bad thing. Um, a slightly different rear shock um, or shock. It's in the rear because um, the travels now increased to 275 millimeters. Um, I personally, um, you know, you add more travel. Does that mean that the shock got a little bit longer or does that mean that they changed framed a little bit? You know, a little bit of geometry is a swing arm. Does it mount in a different place? Um, so eye to eye on the shock might be exactly the same, but the way that it mounts the bike could be different. And, and that's where I don't know the specifics. Um, so we'll see how that created that net a uh, little bit more travel uh, a little bit later when we get more specifics. Uh, larger fuel capacity. I think when you get on these 690s, these 701s, these bikes, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, if you go watch our YouTube video, my dad does have a 690 now, and he did ride it at the KTM Adventure Rally. Really enjoyed the bike. He actually used the words flickable when he was talking about this motorcycle. I don't know if everybody out there would say that, but a big portion of that is because of how they place the engine in the frame and where they put the gas tank. They displace the waist weight the weight really well and by displacing the weight correctly having a good wheel balance and all that kinds of stuff they get a bike that feels flickable according to my father and then other thing that he mentioned was no uh anti-lock brake system uh, which is good and bad i think there are people out there i think that would use the anti-lock brake system um and, and would leave it on most of the time on the 690 obviously it's an on or an off you can turn it off you can turn it on but it's got to be something you do before you start the bike um, is that something everybody remembers to do? Unfortunately not. My dad found out the hard way that he could easily forget to turn off the anti-lock brake system, and he had quite a few wipeouts, actually uh, just in some stupid little you know, kind of pebbly areas where he was kind of trying to feather the brake, but it would feather itself in situations where he didn't want that to happen, and it would kind of wash out the front end. So I think no ABS on this bike, probably a good thing. Um, but maybe there are people out there that do like to ride it on the road more and it's something that they do look for. So it's not a, that's not a great thing that 
You know, they're not getting what they want in an anti-lock brake system. So, of course, uh, so that was the Husky 701 Enduro. Something else I noticed that came out this past week that I think is an interesting product because it's by Promoto Billet. So f- they have a couple different little bits, and this is their fast way, um, the Air EXT pegs. Now, I look at this, and I immediately think ankle savers. And, and by ankle savers, I definitely am referring to the pegs um, that have been out there for quite a few years that all I can remember people doing is making fun of. That's it. Like, everybody was like, oh, that's the stupidest thing. Why do you need that? You don't need that. And I've always, I've never had a chance to ride a pair, but I've always kind of thought, it's like, man, I don't know. That seems like a good idea. And I shit you not, about two weeks ago, I go, man, you know, I think I'm going to get a pair of those ankle savers because of all my ankle injuries and all the surgeries and stuff. It's like, it's that amount of bending that has jacked up my ankle. And so then all of a sudden I see these, uh, the Air EXT pegs come out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like somebody else is making a pair. I was like, so it's... I don't think it's as crazy as I think we thought it was. Uh, the ankle Please savers may have this. seemed weird. They may have seemed different, but there's so many different, you know, parts that can come out for a motorcycle or for even anything in life that we kind of go, oh, that's dumb. Nobody's ever going to like that. Maybe like the iPhone. And it just, it, it revolutionizes. And I don't think in this case we're going to come up with a revolution by any means, but. One of the things that is going to be awesome about this is that we're going to see because now that a little bit larger company is, that is known for their foot pegs and known for their machined motorcycle parts is making these, I think we're going to see more people riding them. And I think with more people riding them, we're going to get a little bit of a better kind of take on what is going on with these pegs. I, do I want to run some now? Absolutely. Um, I want to run some even more than I did when I was even thinking two weeks ago, maybe I should try the ankle savers. I'd like to try both pairs. I'd like to be able to see. One of the things I do like about the Fastway ones is you can tell that they have adjustable uh, the adjustable uh, points. So that way you can try to, be, you know what, this grabs too much, it doesn't grab enough, all that kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm going to kind of see how, see how it goes. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. So we're obviously we're trying to get Johnny Campbell lined up, and I think he said that he came through and said they had a little bit of a, uh, a still a little bit of an emergency, but he still has time to chat with us. Is that what I'm getting, Stephen? Uh, you said what he typed, so that sounds like it. So we're gonna try again. All right, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so I think there's been some interesting stuff that's been going on in the off-road world. Um, this coming weekend, uh, we're going to have Ironman GNCC. That's going to be cool. So with the stuff that we've had going on, it's been interesting. No more Caleb Russell. We've seen Josh Strang do really good. We've seen Ryan Sipes do really good. We've seen Thad Duval do really good. Seen some interesting people on the box. So I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of see how this goes. And it's ringing. He said, let's go. So maybe we're just going to wind up being on the phone with him. If this doesn't go through, are we calling the phone or are we calling? Yeah, hey, hello, Johnny. I'm super sorry about that. I, I got hung up and uh, wasn't able to break away. 
Oh, no worries, dude. Steven, if you could, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing Mr. Johnny. If you could give me some more some more voice. So, dude, yeah, no worries. And if you need to go, you just let us know. We'll let you off the phone really quick, man. But so, I have to say, congratulations, because your investment in Chris Bach on the East Coast really seems to be paying off. Not only is he doing a great job um, racing his motorcycle, but I think he's doing a great job representing the JCR Honda brand and your name specifically within that. I mean, I would imagine that you've got to be pretty stoked on that relationship. Yeah, Chris has been absolutely amazing uh, to work with. You know, he's, he has a he has kind of a a great maturity uh, to work with um, uh, above other riders. You know, I. I've dealt with a lot of riders and a lot of uh, guys that had lots of talent, but they couldn't tie their own shoe or, or talk to their mother correctly, you know? And, right, yeah. And Chris, you know, Chris has a great image, and the Honda racing image, it's, it's clean, it's fun, and, uh, you know, it kind of it draws you in. It draws the fans in, and uh, I've been really enjoying working with Chris over the last couple of years. Yeah, man. And, you know, we just had a really great conversation with him talking about the Moose Run um, and how brutal that race sounds. And one day we're going to have to go get our butt kicked at that event. It sounds awesome. Um, and then his new project that he's got going on, Be the Difference. I think that's going to be some pretty some pretty awesome stuff for, for him, obviously, on the East Coast. But what really caught our eye even more so after his phenomenal race was this past weekend seeing you on the West Coast with a new JCR rider racing in the desert under the JCR Honda tent. So when did all of this come about with you and Ricky Brabeck kind of teaming up together? Well, uh, just to take one step back. Uh, yeah, please yeah, do. The run was, yeah, the, the Moose Run was uh, it was awesome. You know, being here on the West Coast, um, you know, we, we pay attention a little bit to the, uh, to the East Coast. I, of course, I pay attention a lot to it and. The moose run's always been kind of like this, uh, this extreme uh, hair scramble cross country event that uh, always gets a, a mass amount of media. And I'm like, man, two fifty mile loops in the woods, you know, with creek crossings up to the sea, and these guys are racing for over four hours. I mean, it's it's a serious deal, and uh, it looks like a blast, at least up until you run out of energy. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Um, I was really, really excited that Chris uh, went and participated in that, and he did such a, a phenomenal job. Um, you know, all, all the work that uh, we've done over the last couple of years uh, together and him as a racer and, and the bike development, uh, you know, it's, it's really starting to show, and, and I'm excited to, to see the fruit of that. So that's, that's awesome. Um, part two, uh, Ricky Brayback. Um, you know, Ricky's been on my radar for quite some time. Um, of course, you know, our program had a big change um, uh, here a couple years ago when uh, Honda decided to lean on GNCC a little bit for their off-road. Right. And, you know, I had accomplished everything I ever wanted in Baja and more. And uh, so, I, you know, I wasn't hesitate, hesitant, hesitant to make change um, because I was kind of excited to, you know, go and meet new people and up for a new challenge. And it was a shame that I had to, to lose, uh, you know, our, our, our successful program there. And I think uh, a lot of fans were really bummed. And so I was, you know, on that end, I was really disappointed about it. But on the, on the other end, I was excited about the GNCC. So getting back to, uh, to Brayback in the West coast, you know, 
I never intended to uh, to step away from the West Coast and, and entirely have to drop it. I was just I was kind of forced to because of uh, budgets and and time that it was taking to uh, you know get our program up and running on the East Coast. And so now that we're uh, a year and a half out from from not participating on the on the West Coast, you know, um, it's time to get going again. And um, Ricky just so happened to have a, uh, a great opportunity um, with the uh, HRC team earlier this year. Did a really good job um, at the uh, Abu Dhabi Rally and once again at the uh, the Rally in Argentina. Tina and um, you know they, he showed him that uh, he was capable of, of racing rallies and and uh, he can learn. And so they've they've given him an opportunity to race uh, the death car rally this year in January. And so with that said, you know, I, I've, uh, myself and JCR has been a really big, um, uh, advocate for the Dakar rally and the Honda program there. And we do a, a ton of, uh, testing and durability testing on that machine and, and in that program. And, um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm also a, a big component to, uh, to that effort. So, Anyway, it just made sense that, uh, you know, if Ricky's going to be riding Hondas uh, for HRC, that they need some sort of support outlet here in the States and here at home for them amongst having a mentor and somebody to uh, to lean on and a program around him so he can be successful um, not only here but also overseas. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people when, you know, kind of things did seem to – I wouldn't say die for you on the West Coast, but it was like it was a significant break. It was to that point where I think a lot of people were like, okay, you know, either A, budgets, B, Honda. You know, they didn't really, you know, everyone's just kind of speculating at this point, but it was like, okay, when though will Johnny Campbell be back on the West Coast? When will he be back in the desert? Because I don't think everybody could think, I don't think we would expect that you would never be there again. Um, and to kind of see how well Ricky Brabeck has ridden in the past couple of years and to be able to see last year when he was able to win uh, the championship, um, it really proved. And then of course, how well he has done at some of the rallies to the point that you made. And that the fact that he's going to be doing, you know, the, the Dakar rally this year, he's, he's proved that he can ride extremely well off road in the desert. And I can only imagine in other realms as well. Uh, look at guys like Kirk Caselli and Ivan Ramirez and, you know, Gary Sutherland. Those guys are West Coast guys, but you put them in other situations, they still do really, really well, which is awesome. So I think what you did is extremely smart. You know, it seems that Brayback has always kind of been on a privateer-ish, put-together, haphazardly kind of program. Um, and that may not have always worked for his best interest. So to be able to have someone like yourself, like you said, as a mentor, and to be able to have a complete team behind him, I think is really only going to bolster his ability to to shine way beyond what he's already been capable of. Yeah, certainly. You know, um, I think you know these young guys. They uh, they have lots of talent, and I was one of these. I was one of these riders at one time, you know, I was, I was young, 20 something, whatever. And they're all, uh, they have a lot of raw talent and the raw talent is great. And that's where the speed comes from initially. But, you know, you get to a point and you go, well, how do I elevate my game and how do I 
be successful at racing motorcycles. And, you know, much like uh, my career, you know, I was, uh, I was swept under the Bruce Ogilvie, um, uh, mentorship and it could not have been better. I mean, I, I didn't have, uh, what it took to do everything and be as successful as, as I had been, had it not been for Bruce and the program that was around me. And so it's, it's so important for the athletes and these young guys to see that the need for that type of support, you know, um, you know, money's one thing and, but really having a team around you that, that understands and supports, uh, your riding and racing is really how you become successful. And if you say you do it on your, on your own, you're, you're just lying to yourself, you know, you know, there's no way Johnny Campbell could have been Johnny Campbell, 11 time ball, thousand winner without, uh, Bruce Ogilvie and his army of, uh, you know, volunteers and, and staff that, uh, that elevated, uh, my career. There's, there's no doubt about it. And so I see the same thing with Chris and I see the same thing with Ricky. It's like, these guys have so much potential and, um, you know, if, if I can, uh, help, um, invest in them and invest in, in their writing and their lives, it's, you know, it's going to help them grow and be, become a mature champion. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, what did you think of the doubleheader this past weekend? I, from from obviously my perspective in Texas, it looked awesome being able to kind of catch up and follow. It seemed like there were a lot more uh, racers in the sense of some of the classes being a lot more filled up because I think like maybe the hair scrambles pulled in more to the hair and hound and vice versa. The hair and hound pulled in more to the hair scrambles race on that Saturday. Uh, it seems really awesome. Like a, it would be a neat way if they could find a way to do that more often. Did did you, you know, find it more enjoyable? Was it more stressful from your end? Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't so stressful from my end because you know my my main goal for the whole weekend was uh, just to concentrate on on Ricky and and his program and uh, you know I was able to and, and the Heron Hound was were the most important for our our scope and our, our goal that weekend. Um, so the hair scramble was just kind of extra, but, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, the positives about it, yeah, there was, it brought in a few more people, uh, and exposed them to Aaron Hound racing and, uh, as well as exposing the Aaron Hound guys to, uh, the hair scrambles. And, you know, so it was, it was kind of unique, Definitely. Um, there was some, I, I would say there was some, a little bit confusion because there was, uh, there's more going on and, and the hair comes have a little different rules and stuff, but yeah, that's true. overall it was a great, it was a great event and, um, they had a really, really tough course on, on Saturday on the hair scramble. You know, it was like an 18 mile loop that, um, you know, the leaders were doing in just under 40 minutes and that's not normal for the Southern Valley. Usually it's, <laughs> a pretty fast pace so right. you know those guys raced really hard for for over a half hours and um and again that uh, uh, was, was equally as tough but just in a different way yeah for sure and that yeah i was excited to see that I'm, and it's funny because the second i start posting up about it on the seat time facebook page and all that kind of stuff all we start seeing is brian when you headed to one of those out west and i was like as soon as i can figure out a way 
Uh, I'm not great in the dust, which any Texan knows that I've, so I'm from Louisiana. I'm good in the pine trees. But you get me in the dust, and I just I uh, have no idea what I'm doing. Like It's crazy to watch those guys, and I'm sure you're one of them as well. That I don't know how it is you do it, but it's almost like you have some kind of forethought. Um, you just kind of either A, ride through the dust blind, or B, you can really see stuff that's that I have no clue is there. So are you just crazy? Is that probably what it uh, is? <laughs> well, you can you can obviously unplug your brain and take a lot of risks. <laughs> uh, you know, you can kind of get some strategy out of it. You know, a desert racer is always looking which way the wind's blowing. Um, they, uh, you know, the, the seasons guys have raced in those areas before, so they know if they can branch off, off the course, uh, off the main route a little bit, just to, you know, get on a side trail that has clean air. Um, and there's, and flat out, you know what, you cannot go fast in the dust. I mean, that's just a fact, not to have a trade vision, which I haven't, I haven't found any human being or race to have that. Right. So. It's a different type of riding, a different type of discipline, and you know, no, no discipline in off-road motorcycling, whether it's Supercross, GNCC, desert racing, they all have their their place, and each rider has a disciplined skill. And some sometimes those riders can cross over, but you know, the desert races definitely have some unique uh, uniqueness to it that the other. Uh, the other disciplines don't and having a high speed dust, you know, is, is a challenge. And, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a bunch of guys are going and crashing out and getting flown out of there. It's, it's like they have a, a, a calculated risk, like much of the other things. And, and, uh, they kind of figure it out and that's just how they brought up riding and racing. And so it's normal to them. Yeah, and I guess it's that we just like we were talking with Chris Black. You know, one of the things he said is that it's not that he can't go extremely fast in the extremely tight, nasty, gnarly second gear kind of single track. It's that that's not where he's most comfortable um, nowadays because of the fact that his GNCC racing is more third, fourth gear. You know, kind of quad trails. You know, you're booking it where he's he could probably keep up a pace like with somebody like Farringer. Uh, in the super, super tight, gnarly stuff, but he's better. He knows that that's where he's going to be riding 110%, but he's that much more likely to make mistakes. So it's kind of like you're saying, like, you know, the guys who grow up in the desert are kind of a little bit better in the desert. Maybe some of the guys that grow up doing, you know, they're they're a little bit more specific to the type of stuff that they grew up riding. That's why I'm good in the pine trees. And, well, you could say I suck everywhere else, but, hey, we'll call it, we'll call it what it is. <laughs> we'll call it what it is. So... What's coming up for JCR Honda? It seems, you know, again, I I try to just kind of pay attention to the top level of stuff. I don't really listen to rumors that much. If somebody tells me something, that's great. So I, I don't really know if there's something else that you have planned for 2016. But it seems like with the move that you made with Brayback to kind of bring him under the umbrella, um, that there may be, is there more expansion for 2016? Or are we going to see you in more places that we haven't seen you recently uh in in some of the off-road realms um i think uh you know it's a it's we're still a, a few weeks too early to to really pin down a concrete uh what the scope of jcr is going to look like in 16 but i think um you know this weekend was a a very very good peek at what's coming and um you know i'm 
we're not we're not back uh you know we're not lying down and uh we're moving forward we're going to be winning races we're going to be winning championships and you know the orange cross has started and we're gonna we're gonna go for it so there you go hell yeah that's awesome i like that conviction and and the reason i'm because i've noticed such a big push and a big development of people and i know you're honda that's awesome and i'm glad to see it um, but I've seen a lot of push too as well of people moving over to like the FXs. You know that Yamaha has started to have bikes like that, um, and they're they're starting to put a little bit more support into the off road side of things more so than just motocross. And so you know I ride a KTM, I love my KTM. But one of the things that I think is going to benefit us as riders more is competition because competition breeds innovation, and innovation is going to make a better product and better racing and better riding for all of us. So. If you guys go out there and do fantastic and start winning championships and, you know, start beating some of the KTM guys or start to beat some of the Yamaha guys, everybody else out there, they're going to try to either A, find different people or B, find ways to make their product better, which really for the riders out there, not the non-racers, we get a better motorcycle um, in the long run. So, and then we also get better racing to watch, <laughs> which that's always fun too. So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, because I like to race, but I race at my level, which is a very shitty non-professional and uh, I'm okay with that. So uh, I'll let you guys do the dangerous <laughs> stuff and have fun and be badasses, and I'll just talk to you and uh, and take pictures. <laughs> Which we need those guys too. That's I guess, awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about a two-stroke? That's, is that, that's great. Is, is that going to happen? Is that ever going to happen? We've seen Yamaha actually put some development there. Do you? Would you even expect that from Honda, or is that just like, nope, never going to happen? Yeah, that's, that's a pipe dream, you know? Honda is a very uh, a very compliant company to uh, to rules and and regulations and uh, you know they've always been very strict about uh, their four stroke uh, development you know all, all the way back to even even before my career that the four stroke was their off road bike why well because Honda is a big company and they have an automobile side and so they're uh, under the uh, microscope a lot more than uh, some of these other smaller companies. And um, so you're not going to see a two-stroke come out of a Honda. So, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) It happens. But it's good to ask. You never know. And, well, at least now we know we don't know. And what we know we know that we don't know. That's confusing me. All right. Well, Mr. Johnny Campbell, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm sorry that you had a little bit of emergency, but thank you very much for taking that time uh, to chat with us. Obviously, congratulations on your guys kicking ass uh, this past weekend, they did a phenomenal job of doing what you pay them to do and what they love to do for a living. So that's uh, sounds like a match made in heaven right there. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate the time, and I, I sincerely apologize for uh, for being late. And uh, but you know, sometimes things happen. So I agree. It's called we'll, uh, it's called be better next time. No, nah, dude, it's called life. Believe me, we all have one, and I have, we with the kids and the other stuff that just happens randomly. We totally understand. So thank you, man, and we definitely will have you on in the near future. And we really appreciate the time. All right, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Peace, man. Thanks, you. You too. Oh, all right, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. So, Stephen. We're not going to get a two-stroke from Honda. That's that's what he says. That's what he says. I don't know. Do you believe Johnny Campbell? I feel like you believe Johnny Campbell. You'd think you'd be able to. Yeah. I, I feel like he's like, like either that or he's just sounding so convincing because they're coming out with one like in two years. 
Like <laughs> they've already got one built. Yeah, it's like it's 2017. Gotta... We're just not going to talk about it yet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting, but it's gonna be tough, man. I, I like his conviction. Uh, I really do. But with with so many different teams out there feeling, ah, it sounds weird. With so many other teams out there feeling so much bigger, you know, is Johnny Campbell with his experience in and kind of the smaller, more niche team, but with Honda's backing, going to be able to kind of slip in the back door um, and, and kind of get championships and get get wins and then eventually get championships. And they got Ricky Brayback. Now, that is a great opportunity to do things on the West Coast. And they've got an opportunity to do a lot of racing on the West Coast with Ricky Brayback because not only are we starting to see rallies grow, obviously we're noticing that Ricky Brayback, Brayback is really good at rallies. So we're going to be able to see him maybe do events like the Baja Rally, the Coast to Coast, um, and some of the other rallies that are going on down south and possibly in the States soon. So that could be cool. Obviously, National Heron Hound, he's won that. He could do that again. Um, probably going to do, maybe there's a chance he could do some works events. Maybe there's a chance he could do some of these West Coast hair scrambles. Uh, obviously, there's Enduros on the East Coast or the West Coast. That could be a possibility as well. So that kind of realm could totally be done you know with one or two riders now we go to the east coast it, it could be the same thing with one or two riders you could kind of cover a lot of series and you could really focus on a lot but we noticed that they that jcr and chris bach took a lot of steps back you know they really focused on their program and made sure they had their team correct um and then started to grow i think that's the right decision because you want to make sure you have a solid base before you start putting, you know, what is it? Build the foundation first so then you can build a massive, nice, awesome building. I think this is kind of the same idea with these teams, you know. And I think with JCR doing that, with building that great team foundation, and now they're starting to kind of grow the team upon that, that we probably will start to see some really bitching stuff come from those guys. I'd like to see them with a, with a legit XC2 rider. And in the sense, a legit XC2 rider, that the plan is for him to be in that class to then learn, grow, and move into the XC1 class, not kind of an XC2 lifer. Um, yeah, I think that could be interesting. Well, cool. If you guys uh, liked any of my comments, didn't like any of my comments, that's fine, but we want to know about it. So hit up the comments on the YouTube channel. Hit them up on the website. Uh, let us know. That's the good stuff. What do you think about the new Husqvarna 701 Enduro? Do you think the ankle savers were the right thing when they came out a handful of years ago? Or do you think that now that you know we're going to see, say, like Fastway coming out with a pair, that more people are going to buy into the idea now and not even realize that ankle savers have been around for a long time? I think it's interesting. I think it's good conversational pieces. What do you think about Chris Bach? What do you think about Johnny Campbell? Please leave your messages below. And like we've mentioned... We are going to start coming into the drier season of the year with when it comes to racing. So if there's certain riders you want us to talk to, reach out to us. Chuck Taylor, he's a rider we're going to have on later this year. He's done really well. He's up from the northwest or northeast, so we're going to have him on because he's a cool dude. He rides his dirt bike and talks about awesome stuff. Got to got to make that happen. Maybe more suspension talk for Stillwell Performance. What kind of stuff do you want us to talk about? We're here for you. We have fun doing this. Let's do it together. So, of course, Seat Time, you can find us at our website, SeatTime.co. We are on the Facebook, Facebook.com slash Seat Time. We're on Twitter. The handle is at Seat Time underscore CEO. And the same thing on Instagram. The handle is at Seat Time. Of course, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Fly Racing. You can learn more about those guys at FlyRacing.com or Purchase from your local dealer. Again, Kenda Tires USA. So KendaTires.com. And those, again, can be purchased from your local distributor, local dealer, however you want to make that happen. And if your local dealer does not sell Kenda, 
they can get it. Just ask them to do so. They're going to get some bitchin' hybrid off-road tires if you do it. And we think you should. And of course, Stillwell Performance at stillwellperformance.com. So if you reach out to those guys, you're going to be able to keep her pinned, get some bitchin' off-road suspension, and have a great time on your motorcycle. There's no other reason that you need. Email them, call them, say seat time said what's up, and you want to learn more, make it happen. Of course, this has been episode 186. I am your host, Brian Pierce. You can find me on the internet at Woody B. Pierce. My website is purveyorofawesome.co. Uh, hopefully you guys have fun out there, and we will see you next week. Peace.